Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio. 630 Chad. 630 Chad and the Edmonton Oilers Hockey Club present the show that is everything Oilers. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Service for all brands of print equipment in your office? Yeah, Digitex does that. D I G I T E X dot C A on Oilers Radio. 630 Chad. It's 105. In Edmonton, Bob Stauffer with you. I hope you're having uh, making the most of a difficult uh, weather. Is this is it like last night? I was driving to a sell side establishment because it was my night to cook. Translation: my night to pick up takeout. And uh, you know, man, it was it was like how would you? Just, it, it was like a November rain. You know, the snow hadn't come, but. It felt like it was going to, that's how, it's not been a great summer weather-wise. I think we all know that. This is Oilers Now, which is brought to you by our title sponsor, and that is Digitex.ca. Hugh Porter and the gang at Digitex. Buy or lease your next office network printer from the Digitex.ca e-commerce store. No need to spend your valuable time meeting with door-to-door sales reps. You're all in one convenient location, Digitex.ca. Digitex.ca, Alberta's number one owned and operated place to buy office technology, software, IT, and supplies. All right, straight off, uh, we just had Fred Fleming, uh, who back in the day used to be on point-counterpoint with one... uh, Brian Hall. Uh, Fred worth the last 29 years now for the Denver Broncos. Another Edmontonian uh, who has uh, made the most uh, for himself and is a uh, Washington Capitals analyst. And we love to have him on the show as we head off to the River Creek Resort and Casino Hotline. We welcome back Al May. Hello, Al. How you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, Bob. Good. Hey, did you have any favorite uh, sports media personality? We had Brian Hall in studio yesterday. Uh, when you were in Edmonton growing up here, playing lacrosse, starting line brawls, that sort of thing, did you have any, uh, were there any Edmonton guys that you kind of remembered? You know what? I always liked John Stewart, West Montgomery. Um, yeah. You know, I'm I'm really Asian myself. But, you know, uh, Jim Matheson, was a writer that I always liked reading his stuff. And, you know, back when we didn't have instantaneous information right. uh, from the web world and, you know, social media, you know, I look forward to reading those columns every day. Terry Jones, Dick Chubb, uh, you, you name it. I, I guess I scoured both the papers every morning to see what the hockey world had to say. Now, wasn't it actually the stuff in the paper that got the whole thing started and people would have seen it in Boys on the Bus? Uh, with you and Kevin McClellan because McClellan had read something in the paper? 
Oh, I think John Stewart had written an article, and I had come from Boston the, the trade deadline before. The, the team had won the Cup. Gretzky was traded that summer. And I don't know what Mac was thinking, but he was super paranoid. And the article basically said that I had made a spot on the team. And I didn't think there was any way that uh, I was going to be on that team. I didn't think I was ready. I just thought you know, I was ready to play on you know, maybe half the teams in the NHL, but certainly not the Edmonton Oilers as fast as they were. Uh, and so many Hall of Famers that were on that team. And, you know, I was primarily a right, used as a right winger at that time. Uh, it was just too tough to make that team. So, you know, I just, some paranoia by Kevin from reading a John Stewart article, and that paranoia build up all summer. And you guys ended up, you had no, he didn't even give you much of a chance, did he? You guys like. No, we were, just, you know what, what really happened in that, the first incident was, I was skating around talking to someone on the ice, the equivalent of walking down the street smoking a cigarette. Right, we're talking the, the opening first, the opening day of training camp. It was practice. It was actually a practice. It was a warm-up practice, not even a scrimmage. And I was skating around, and Kevin just said, hey, sorry, Al, and sucker punched me with a, a left hand and dropped me to the ice, didn't KO me. And I was I give it the old what the, you know, what I was going to finish that with. Yeah. And uh, it took me a little bit to get the cobwebs out, splashed a little water on my face, and then I was extremely pissed off. So he was skating around. I went in the corner and said the same thing. I'm sorry. And I sucker punched him. And sucker punching was never my MO uh, throughout my entire career. And I dropped him in the corner on a drill. So that happened, I think, four different times. Wow. Uh, one time in the old dreaded horseshoe drill, I I, I threw a punch at him as well and dropped him. So it was just one of those things that kept going on and on. And then I finished actually the scrimmage that day. I had a fight with, for about 35, 40 seconds with uh, Steve Dykstra. And oh, I was yeah. just, you know, on, on normal camp <laughs> fight. But I was so tired and the body was shot for a couple weeks after that. It took me a while uh, to, to get my body to feel right. You I worked so hard that him, summer. You suckered him in the horseshoe drill? <laughs> yep. And, uh, you know, I was so pissed off that uh, there was no way because I thought it was that I'd never seen or heard of anything like that in the training camp before. So, you know, I wasn't going to let it happen. I wasn't going to go by the wayside. And I know the next year when I was with Washington and he was in Detroit, I skated straight at him and took him down. So it was one of those things. You never let it, you know, you never forget those things, but it's funny when I got called up, he was the first guy that Christmas when I got called up, back up that, he was waiting for me in the dressing room, seeing if everything was cool. And, uh, and, of course, it was because, you know, training camp is training camp, and, you know, those things used to happen. Well, uh, you know, we had something sort of similar happen this past season that was old school. Um, Zach Cassian went into St. Louis and went with Connor McDavid to go meet Patrick Maroon for dinner. And then the Oilers got behind like 4-5-0 or five nothing against St. Louis. And Edmonton has matched up poorly against St. Louis this past because St. Louis is so good in the face-off circle now. They used to own St. Louis when Andy Murray coached the team. Craig McTavish used to take them to the woodshed. Um, but, you know, they'd gone out for dinner the night before. The Oilers were behind, and Cassian and uh, Maroon, who were teammates in Edmonton for a couple of years, dropped the flippers, and away they went. Like, And that is old. You don't see a lot of that anymore, Al, do you? No, not at all. And you know what? And guys try to win those fights, but at the end, you still have the greatest job, according to the guys that love playing the game of hockey, which I would say is 99.99% of every player in the NHL. Uh, you're still going to be best of friends after. It doesn't matter. And I wouldn't be surprised if they had a beer in the hallway after that game because that that's just the way things are. I fought a, a, an old roommate of mine, good, good friend, a really good friend. I fought him in the WHL. 
the AHL, and the NHL. First shift every single time, and they went plan choreographed fights. There were two guys that played the game with a snarl and didn't give or back down an inch. And then, you know, we just shoot the breeze in the penalty box, and people would just be baffled that that happened on the ice. But we both tried to knock the other guy's block off, and, you know, we can both live to tell about it today. Who was that, by the way? Uh, my old teammate, Jimmy Agnew. He played, uh, I think he played most of his NHL with Vancouver, maybe a touch with Hartford. Yeah. Uh, I think he's a sheriff now somewhere in Montana, yeah. if my memory serves correct, yeah. Is he from the East Coast, or is that Gary Agnew I'm thinking from? No, Gary Agnew is an East Coast guy. Jimmy is from uh, Hartshorn, Manitoba, or something like that. It's been a while since I've been there, but it's a blink of an eye. I don't even know if it's got a gas station. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, it is a very different time in the National Hockey League. And uh, let me ask you this. So, Al, today, I mean, is it, and people say, oh, the old days were better and all that kind of stuff. I'm not necessarily a believer of that. One thing where the areas, the part of the game of the players today have a way, way, way uh, better handle things is off-season training. Like these guys really, I mean, they take about three weeks off. I, what did you like? What did you guys do back in the late '80s and early '90s, preparing for the upcoming season? Well, I'm probably not the right guy to answer because I did everything, and you know. But the majority of guys did nothing, and I remember when I would get to the U of A to skate every summer. It looked like guys had done nothing, but you know, there was a, a group of younger players that, that were you know riding bikes because you know there there was a bike craze in the the National Hockey League, and you know you had to learn how to actually ride a stationary bike properly so you wouldn't be injured. Guys did track work. But the majority of training programs were based on what football players, collegiate football players did. And and it wasn't until the early 90s that there were some guys out there that, that started to do all the single leg stuff, circuit training, uh, less skating in the summer. And it, it was less of the football trader, you know, workout mentality. But back then it was certainly, you know, a lot of guys just ran, jumped rope, did a little bit of this and that. And I always believed I had the upper hand in every training camp because I, I did basically anything I could get my hands on workout-wise, I did. Uh, probably way, way, way overdid it. But as it started to evolve, I really think it's become great. And it's one of the most important people you can have on your team. I, I know that the Oilers have really upgraded the last few years. Actually, a kid that skated for me in Dallas, I think, is going to be joining the Oilers. He was down in pa- uh, Bakersfield the past few years, Patrick Love. And, you know, the, these people have dedicated their life to making sure that their players are strong, fast, and they do not get injured from the way they train. So it's a very important part and a critical part of every team's success. What was your take? And we discussed this uh, weeks ago on the show here, Al. Uh, Lutic and Neal finally came to fruition. Give me your take on the trade. Well, I, I really think it, it helps both teams. Uh, last year, James Neal didn't fit in with the Calgary Flames because I, I thought they played a, a soft game and the playoffs showed they were soft and slow in my opinion the way they played they wanted to play you know a perimeter type of game you know cute passes here and there and James Neal from everything I've seen in the National Hockey League when he's at his best you know he's on a, on a team that likes to cycle four check below the goal line he's a great shooter he does get to the net and, and I think it's really going to help the Edmonton Oilers having another guy like this that can shoot the puck. Uh, he does play a physical game. I know in the finals two years ago against the Capitals, he was, in my opinion, the most dominant physical forward for the for the Golden Knights against the Caps. And the Caps were a heavy team at that time, the way they played all throughout that playoff series. On the other side of it, I think Calgary, you know, has been pushed around and bullied a lot. Uh, and Johnny Gaudreau's taken a lot of two-handers. Players have taken liberties with him. I think with Lucic there, uh, a change of scenery for him, 
I, I think it's going to work out well for both teams. But I, I look at James Neal to get back to 20-plus goals. I think he does that hands down. And I wouldn't be surprised if, if he's, you know, second on this team and scoring by the time, you know, the, the, the Christmas break rolls around. He, he's an exceptional player. Uh, he's training. He's gone back to work out with Gary Roberts, and I think that's important. Yeah, well, it's going to be. Yeah, it's, it is an interesting trade, just because it would have seemed so sacrilegious when you were, you know, briefly with the Oilers organization in the late '80s. Before you, I mean, but it just shows you it's a completely different world. Of the, I mean, look at David Clarkson. David Clarkson has more value now not playing than when he played. Like the fact that the Leafs traded for basically, you know, the LTIR space that they could apply. Uh, to give them more wiggle room. I mean, it just shows you how different the game is today, Al, than it was years ago. Oh, absolutely. You look at back when the Oilers were winning their Stanley Cups, that was about you know a, a third to a quarter of their salaries, you know, overall paid salaries before everyone knew what players were actually getting paid. And, right. you know, Slats used to be able to manipulate the market as well as he did. But, you know, David Clarkson's contract was horrible, maybe one of the worst contract signings. And, and there's been a lot, but I, I couldn't stand his contract when it was done. I saw him play two months. He had one of those years where, you know, it, it was kind of a perfect storm for him financially, but, you know, such a bad deal. And now it, that contract just won't go away, and neither did David Clarkson. I think this is the last season of it, but it's weird how those bad contracts have become commodities. Yeah, well, and it's uh, it makes you wonder whether or not, could you foresee them changing that rule and that deployment in the next CBA? Well, I think that, you know that's going to be one of the things the owners definitely want because you know some teams can absorb that, and it seems like the Toronto Maple Leafs have no, no they haven't had a problem the last twenty years, uh, you know, burying guys in the minors, millions of dollars, taking on contracts like that, and, and paying them out. There's a lot of teams that will refuse to do that. Uh, they live and die with their contracts uh, unless they can unload those players. But that's something I think the owners, a lot of the owners, would want to see get rid of. But at the same time. The Players Association has gripes, too, about what, what they want to see done with, with things like the escrow. And I think that's going to be one of the trade-offs here is during those contracts or, or maybe how the buyouts work. Yeah, I think what they should do, well, <laughs> it doesn't matter as much now, but there should be one free uh, uh, non-compliance buyout once the next CBA gets ratified. Like, it shouldn't count on your cap. They should just be allowed to do it. Then, the, you know, there ends up being a little bit more money in the system as a result of that. Alan May joins us. All right, Al, uh, I'm going to put you on the spot here with the Edmonton Oilers. So now that the Neal move is uh, done, he's come aboard. Uh, he obviously is going to be a top six forward uh, for the Oilers. You know Dave Tippett a little bit. Um from your perspective, I mean, the Oilers have had two underwhelming seasons in a row, and a lot of people had Edmonton as a Stanley Cup favorite in 17-18. That did not come to fruition. Um, could the Oilers be a team this year that, and I, no one's going to have them as a playoff team the start of the year. I don't think anybody is going to have them as a playoff team, just based on what's happened the last two years. Could Edmonton maybe be better positioned because the expectation level is not going to be as high with this group? Absolutely, but I think the combination of having Ken Holland and Dave Tippett, uh, you know, as general manager and head coach, these two guys are stabilizing forces. Ken Holland doesn't make rational decisions or irrational decisions, and he's not going to, you know, cow into the social media world or the mainstream media. He's not going to make moves based on any of that. He's going to do what's right for his team. Dave Tippett isn't going to be a member of that either, and they're going to go out there and coach the game. They're not going to beat down the players. Tippett has never, ever, in my knowledge, uh, ever beaten down a player in the media or used the media as a weapon against his players. He's a very positive person. I think he's going to get the best out of a lot of these guys. He's going to simplify the game. They're going to be more detail-oriented. It's not going to be 
that stuff we saw last season, which I thought they really dumbed down the game. And, at, you know, they had a, a little bit of a stretch, but it was just so easy for teams to figure out and beat. But I think when, when it's all said and done, the Oilers are going to be right at that, you know, last wild card spot, fighting until the last weekend to make the playoffs. But the biggest question I still have with the Oilers, I, I'm starting like the forward group more and more. It's I still think they need some legitimate defensemen on the back end. And they've got a lot of NHL defensemen. They just don't have enough that are in those high-end slots. So it's going to take a little bit of maneuvering. And Tip's always done well. His defensemen always seem to have career highs and points and goals because they fire pucks at the net. He loves traffic. And there's a lot of low-to-high stuff with shots on net. But I still don't see the Oilers having those types of puck movers in abundance that guys that legitimately deserve to be in the top four. Now, if they can make a move or two or, uh, you know, a surprise signing or a treat that brings them something like that, I think mm. all of a sudden they're a contending team. So what you're saying is they lack offensive dimension on the back end with, with the current configuration hey, of the D. A hundred percent is what I'm saying. Yes. Yeah. All right. Hey, Al, great stuff. Thanks for joining us, man. Take care. We'll touch base down the road. Take care. Stop. Bye. Bye-bye. That's Alan May. So they sucker punched each other three separate times. Ever been sucker punched in a uh, horseshoe drill? <laughs> that is funny. In Texas at 630, 630. Uh, Brian S. has texted the show on our Heartland Ford text line. Bob, people underestimate the loss of Derek England from Calgary. Well, I mean, he's he's been a leader. Underrated, but he's been a leader in Vegas. There's no question about it. We'll take a time out. We're going to get to a little bit of audio. That's right. We're going to go down the path of our... With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Twitter's now Audio Vault for direct work where when we come back and more text on our Heartland Ford text line, this is Oilers Now. This is Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. It's 123 in Edmonton. So, Brendan, I got a question for you. I'm going to put you on the spot here. All right, you ready to roll with it? Got that headset on? Let's rock. What do you think the chances are that Reed Wilkins goes to the Def Leppard concert next Monday? What do you think the chances are? I've already got an email asking me to host that night. Hey, there we go. 100%. <laughs> I mean, come 100%. on. 100%. Is... There you go. All righty. Uh, you can text us at 630-630, but right now we are going to go into our Oilers Now Audio Vault. It is brought to you by Direct Workwear, where safety meets savings in Edmonton, Fort McMurray, and online at directworkwear.com. Zach Cassian. In conversation with the Oilers web team. Wow, you went f- far away away to get this audio on the hiring of Ken Holland and Dave Tippett. It's pretty exciting when you when you hear a guy with that resume come in and take over your hockey club. Obviously, I've been I grew up a Red Wings fan, and obviously, I know the success the Red Wings had over the last twenty years. So to have Ken, obviously, I, have, I don't know him personally, but um, from an outsider looking in. The Oilers, it looks like it's going to be very promising. And, uh, he's a well-respected guy around the league and knows what he's doing. And Edmonton should be excited. And I know our players were very excited to get to camp and see the, the mentality he has and, and what he expects out of all of us. 
Yeah, uh, Zach, uh, by the way, is from Windsor. Uh, his father was a police officer. Uh, and uh, interesting stuff. Because in fairness, uh, Peter Shirelli resurrect, helped resurrect Zach Cassian's career. Pulled him off a scrap heap after the challenge that he had in uh, uh, Montreal. Cactus Jack has texted the show to say, the Sea Chickens Blow, referring to the Seahawks, signed every 80s kid that was forced to watch the Maple Leafs, the Blue Jays, and the Seahawks. Cactus Jack, I know and felt your pain back in the day. Obviously, more options now than ever before, but force-fed Seattle Seahawks football for a number of years. Maple Leafs every Saturday night on Hockey Night in Canada. I mean, at one point, Hockey Night in Canada was showing 87 Maple Leaf games a game, a year. And they only played 82 regular season games, but they showed 87. Oh, man. Uh, additional thought, Bob, Kevin McClelland, I uh, heard your interview with Al May. He was one nasty piece of work. Yes, he is, and he had a great left hand. And I loved him in the 84 uh, Stanley Cup final. We did get a lot of feedback on my comment about Alish Hemsky, and I, I genuinely believe Alish Hemsky is a significantly underrated member of the Edmonton Oilers hockey team. Like, there are some guys that were on the uh, Oilers 80s team that benefited. I mean, look, 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 they had some great players in those teams, right? That goes without saying. Some of the greatest players of all time. Gretzky, Messier, Anderson, and Curry up front. They're all Hall of Fame players. Uh, their top four defense was terrific in its core for the first couple of cups. It was. You had uh, Paul Coffey and Charlie Huddy. You had Kevin Lowe and Lee Foglin. Um, and then the two goaltenders, Fuhr and Moog. But there were some other guys, and they were, Pat Hughes was an important guy on that team. Kevin McClellan coming in, rolling in, fourth line, third line. He was a third line center in the 84 final. Big score. But Alex Hensky, I mean, if the Oilers win the Cup in 06, do we think differently of Alashemsky? It's funny because Ryan Smith is seen as a, like most fans want Ryan Smith's jersey. In the, and, and that day will come in Edmonton. I believe that. Smith will be honored at some point. But I do think Alashemsky was legitimately underrated. And again, for the, the demo that missed the Oilers' 80s glory times, Hemsky was a central figure if you grew up and watched the Oilers in that playoff run in 2005-2006. He made plays that no other Oilers player could make. Off to a global news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell. We'll get an Eskimo preview coming up with Dave Campbell when we return. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.